from the sequestered studios of Rodale Institute Radio and Television at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, it's time for another spring blooming episode of Chemical Free Horticultural Hijinks You Bet Your Garden. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. Can we forget about the cotton L virus for a bit and talk about the saviors of springtime? On today's show, we'll discuss how to keep amazing avatars of April, like forsythia and daffodils blooming year after year. And of course, we'll take your fabulous phone call questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and ridiculously rarefied ramifications. So keep your eyes and or ears right here, cats and kittens, because it's all coming up faster than you having a garden that makes Green Lantern helpless. Right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Lehigh Valley Health Network. In life, we have many kinds of partners. School bus partners, business partners, even gardening partners. Shouldn't you have one for the most important aspect of life, your health? Lehigh Valley Health Network, your health deserves a partner. Welcome to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio and Television at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I'm pretty sure I'm your host, Mike McGrath, and we're working under very different conditions. There are only two other people in the building with me, and we're all in separate rooms for safety's sake, of course. Uh, Ducky is wearing a mask, so um, Ducky is safe to be with me right here. I'm wearing medical gloves, so you don't think I had some dread disease, and we're all doing our part. Now, before we start the show, I have to make a shout out. We all know how many doctors, nurses, aides, ambulance workers, firemen, cops, everybody in the first response movement um, are taking incredible risk to protect us during these trying times. I want to make a special shout out to one that I know personally, Dr. Jody DiGiacomo. Now, Jody was a trauma surgeon for many years and then rose to the ranks of administration. His hospital in New York, uh, specifically Long Island, needed someone who had level one trauma training to run the trauma center so they could keep the level one designation. So Jody stopped having his hands in people's chests and guts and moved up to a desk and was running the trauma center. Until recently, when I believe four of his trauma doctors went down with the coronavirus, so Jody is now back in the operating room in people's chests and guts, and I'm pretty sure he's having a good time. But his wife, Pat, a dear friend of mine from college, has to stay in a separate home from him because she has two elderly relatives she's keeping her eye on, and his risk of getting the virus is so severe that she can't risk being around him because the, her family is such high risk. And I just, I can imagine what a great job he's doing. I know how it's tearing them apart to be apart, but they're both doing the right thing. And they are one of just literally hundreds of thousands, if not millions out there. Um, so thank all of you and everybody out there who's listening do what you can. Give these people tomatoes and peppers and cucumbers till they come out their ears over the course of the summer. 
And now, on with the show, 833-727-9588. Gerard, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Good morning from the West Coast. Oh, okay. Uh, where on the West Coast are you, Gerard? I'm in Eureka, California. I we have, 100... I have been to Eureka. Well, I... I'm sorry. Sorry for that again. No, it's beautiful up there. Are you kidding? You got to be a tree lover. I was a guest. Yeah, you got you. You got a bag of trees up there. I was a guest <laughs> speaker at the Humboldt County. Um, I don't know what you would call it anymore. It was kind of like an Earth Day festival, but it was in okay. August, and it was at that park on Humboldt Bay. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of sad this summer because everything's already canceled, and that's our prime time. Yeah, you know the week the weekends are just spectacular here. Well, when there's fairs and events to go to, and darn if they haven't canceled them all. Yeah, except for the fact that I'm going to misquote Mark Twain and say the coldest winter I ever experienced was August in Humboldt Bay. <laughs> you know, I just watched a show last night. Mark Twain cut his teeth up in Nevada. Yeah, uh, and it wasn't it wasn't you know in the South. He actually made his name for himself up in Nevada City, outside of Reno. Yeah, and when I travel to a place like uh, like Eureka and Humboldt County, I always make a vacation out of it. So I was in your area for 10 days and saw a lot of gardens and was in Arcadia and everything like that. So I'm fairly familiar with your climate and your layout. Okay. So what can we do you for? Well, they don't call it the Lost Coast or nothing. You have to You have to plan to come here. Um, but I'm going from uh, using pots. I've always been a renter, so I've, I've grown various flowers and some veggies in pots, um, tomatoes. In Seattle, it was very easy. Um, here, it's a little trickier with the climate, and my backyard is very windy. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm, being a renter, I can't dig in. They want me to you know, keep the ground the way it is. So right. I bought planter pots, and I've got two built. They're four foot long by two foot by one foot deep. Okay. I have two more in storage if I need. Right. But I'm curious what kind of mix I should use. The soil is very rich. I've got potting soil, and the first time ever I bought some compost. Um, I usually just plant and go and like to get my hands dirty and things do okay. But I want to step it up a little bit and try to get some uh, edible food, um, you know, just other than the tomatoes that I'm going to also put in pots. Right. I've got about seven of them waiting to go in. Okay, so you've got um, you've got some really nice growing boxes. Are they going to sit on the ground? That's one thing. Yes, thank you for asking. Um, I wanted to get them off the ground for two reasons. Uh, my back is one of them, and then we have a very persistent mole, and we naturally get those slugs and uh, snails around here with the moisture. But the mole loves to play around in the rose beds, uh -huh. and he'll pop a few holes every uh, week. Right. Uh, someday you open the door, and it looks like a Looney Tunes cartoon right. out now there. Now, what elevation are you at? Um, about three, two, three miles off the ocean, up a little hill. So the elevation's slight, but the wind is strong mm -hmm. and consistent, even with fencing around my yard. Mm -hmm. uh, pretty consistent wind. So last year, with the tomatoes in the pots, I put the fencing around it and then wrapped it in saran wrap, made a little uh, um, cocoon out of it. It seemed to work pretty well, but I'm not sure if I'm, I can do that with these uh, 
planter boxes, but I thought if I put them on saw horses, it would keep the mole away. And I'm not oh, sure yeah, that. yeah, the moles won't climb up the saw horses. Right, and, and I put fencing underneath it to keep the, you know, naturally keep the dirt in. And, um, yeah, uh, a very tight mesh hardware cloth would be great. Okay. So you've already got most of your mix put together. Don't use any of your garden soil. I don't care how rich it is. Okay. Uh, use kind of a 50-50 mix of compost and that potting soil you bought, and then get a big bag of perlite and mix that in. Again, I was in your area, and I know you've got some great independent hardware stores and garden centers. What's right. that What's that um, crazy place with the giant hammers outside? Pearson's. Yeah. So, and I could almost walk there. It's probably it's probably less than a mile from my house. Yeah, I love those big advertising things, like yeah. the, like Paul Bunyan holding the tire. They're so, pretty good, and the prices around here aren't too bad. There's also an Ace Hardware down the road that right. So you uh, won't have any from. trouble finding perlite um, with a box that size. Get a big bag of perlite, mix about half that in, and you're going to wow. have a beautiful um, growing bed. I would say in your climate, you can grow lettuces all year round. Great. Um, you can put a lot of herbs in there with them. and But you are correct. To grow big plants like tomatoes, you need separate containers. And the herbs I usually keep indoors in a windowsill type of box. Um, but I'd be glad to use one of, one of the planters and I think you're going to get herbs. I think you're going to get better results and tastier results outside. But you can also just go crazy with the salad greens. Tomatoes. I already have some seeds started, and I've never used seeds before. Mm -hmm. But I put them in a I put them in an uh, ice cube tray a week or so ago, and uh, four of the twelve have sprouted. Uh, and this is just iceberg lettuce. But I'd like to get some varieties going. Oh, that okay. Um, love, yeah, love again, lettuce. in your climate, you don't have to pre-sprout. What I would do is I would get what's called uh, a lettuce mix, you know, all different kind of leaf lettuces. And right. after you get your box filled, I would sew it on the top as thick as a lawn. And then, okay. and then I would cover that with a thin layer of potting soil. And then I would stretch something like saran wrap over the top of the entire box, check it every day, and when you see the first sprouts, take the plastic off, and then you're off to the races. It's going to grow. And what you do as the lettuce gets to be, um, you know, three, four, five inches tall, start picking out lanes and cutting it down at the soil line, but don't pull it out. Don't kill the whole plant and that lane will regrow. So then you cut the next lane when you want some more salad, and you move down to the end of the box, and if you time your things right, by the time you've finished your first cutting of that last lane, you can go back and begin cutting that uh, the first lane again. So that's by called- By cutting, you just, you just mean removing leaves from the plant? Yes, with scissors. Okay. Scissors, just like, you know, when you buy that, uh, the baby salad mix in the supermarket for a million dollars a pound, <laughs> that's how they do it. They just keep cutting and recutting, but it's important oh, okay. to grow leaf lettuce. Your iceberg lettuce is, um, you know, it's essentially not worth the time it takes to head up, no offense. Yeah, I actually thought it was big, and I was a little disappointed to see that, but I just threw it in the, in the uh, ice cube tray anyway, just to... 
Get yeah, iceberg lettuce back. belongs in an ice cube tray. Bum bum. Yeah, I'm you know I'm just very antsy to get the season going, so but it's do still, that. It's down to it gets down to the mid thirties here, so at night. That's fine. That's fine. Um, during the day, it's going to be warm. You may occasionally get sun if you're lucky. And, I get a lot of sun. Okay, so you know that'll still sprout very quickly. Uh, again, right. but you got to cover it. Okay. And now you got your salad greens. You've got this whole giant salad garden there. So for your to- for your tomatoes, you want to get 17-inch pots. Now, when you say 17 inches or 12 inches, these pots are designed to be the same height and width. So 17 by 17. And I know that seems big, but if you're going to grow big tomatoes, you need root room. And you're going to fill those pots with the same mix, compost, potting soil, and perlite. Now, just one tomato plant per pot, but feel free to plant herbs and flowers around the outside of the tomato plant. You will get you will get more tomatoes from a single plant in a big pot than you will from four tomato plants jammed into that same pot. Now I've always just on one, maybe a little smaller pot, maybe in the eight to ten gallon range. But um it's usually been cherry tomatoes just because when they grow up, you know, I don't have the trellis system. So the cherry tomatoes are a little easier to handle. But with the netting around it, they're not going to go anywhere. Well, cherry tomatoes, I recommend, be grown in hanging baskets. That way you can just go outside. They'll be hanging down like grapes. You just pick them off and eat them right there. Well. Okay? Yeah, one quick last question, possibly. Go ahead. It's blueberries four, raspberries nothing in the Bush League game. Uh, My raspberries just aren't doing a thing. Well, and that's good because raspberries would spread and really tick off your landlord. Um, (laughs) And they are not container plants. But blueberries should do well in containers as long as the container is at least half milled peat moss. Because These are all in the ground. I I adopted two of them. Mm -hmm. They were spindly, but they produce, and I've trimmed it back, and they do well. Then I planted two more on the other side of the house. I thought you weren't um, allowed to. These are these are flower beds that were pre-existing. Okay, that's it, that's the only place I can play in. Okay, and then uh, yeah, forget yeah, forget the raspberries. They they would yeah. cause a lot of mischief, and your landlord would be honestly mad at you. So well, I'll con- do that before I leave then. Yeah, continue. Yeah, you know, pull them up now, and sure. continue sure. with the blueberries. Uh, mulch them heavily with milled peat moss, you know, those big bricks you get at the garden center. Right. And don't prune off anything that's not dead. They don't need to no, be I pruned. Dead ones, yeah. I've, right? gone to some, uh, I've gone to some pruning classes at the local uh, hardware store and for the roses and the, and the blueberries. So okay, big, well, or, or terribly <laughs> wrong. Um I've been to some classes where I've been thrown out of because I keep raising my hand and going, no, that's not right. <laughs> so, again, with blueberries, the only thing you want to trim off is is dead wood at the beginning of the season. They do not need to be pruned, period. Okay, I've only pruned once in four years. Okay, all right. And, and again, what should I add to those? Peat moss, milled peat, peat moss. moss. Okay. Okay? Thank all right. you very much. Good luck to you, sir. Thank you.
Well, it is springtime, cats and kittens. Time to go out there and get your hands in the dirt. Get those tomatoes and potatoes in the ground. Do you have questions about how to do that? Of course you do. So what do you do with those questions? You call 833-727-9588 and say, you bet your garden. Help me out, Mike. And I will. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and report that my upcoming appearances at the Allentown Public Library and in Virginia have been canceled for safety's sake. But we're doing everything we can to keep coming to you over the airways with top-notch gardening info and lowbrow silliness. So keep your eyes and or ears right here, cats and kittens, because we'll be right back. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to an all-new episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by Rodale Institute. Tomatoes, peppers, and other organically raised plants for your summer garden will be available for purchase at Rodale Institute's organic plant sale May 1st, 2nd, 8th, and 9th. Mother's Day gifts as well. Details and information at RodaleInstitute.org. Rodale Institute, because the future is organic. Welcome back to an all-new episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio and Television at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, and it's time for another shout-out. This is to my number one fan, Walter Anderson, who celebrated his 96th birthday on April 16th. Uh, Walter served in the Pacific on a supply ship at the exact same time and at the exact same portion of the Pacific as my dad, who was on a destroyer. I like to think they met. Walter's a great guy, a huge baseball fan, and loves the show. And he's being very good. He's isolating at home. He is in great spirits. And To me, he's the epitome of the high-risk people who are doing the right thing. So if you're not high-risk, make sure you do the right thing. Wear a mask when you go out. Wear gloves. Wash your hands all the time. Otherwise, you could be infecting amazing people like Walter from the greatest generation who need to be protected by all of us. Okay? Now on with the show at 833-727-9588. Barry, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. How are you? I am just Ducky Barry. How are you? Great. Um, well, I'd be doing better if I, 
if I had some bulbs that, that I planted had come up. I'm in South Jersey in a town called Voorhees, which is right next to Cherry Hill, about seven, eight miles as the crow flies from Center City, Philly. In this part of the country, uh, you know, the mid-Atlantic uh-huh. section, the Northeast, in the middle of that area, you should never plant new bulbs before Halloween, but you should try to get them in by Thanksgiving. People plant their bulbs too early, and they get premature sprouting, which can ruin the springtime show. So I just wanted to let you know that between Halloween and Thanksgiving is the perfect time in many climates across the country. Okay, thanks, Well, I lucked out with that. But um, so anyway, I I waited, you know, patiently through the winter and Mm -hmm. then spring. We usually get uh, daffodils here like late February, sometimes, you know, early March. And I'm waiting and waiting, no bulbs. Mm -hmm. So I waited longer. I waited till this past fall. Still no bulbs. So I figured it was time to give you a call. So I emailed you, and and here I am trying to figure out. I I even planted them the correct side up, which I think that was... <laughs> Yeah, it's the butt side down, pointy side up. But oh, okay. um, when I was working with the bulb growers in Holland, they had these demonstrations. They had these underground cameras that showed if you planted them upside down, a healthy bulb would just send the shoot out and it would come back up. And, oh. they, and they had a clever way of making people feel better. If you really can't decide, because some bulbs are kind of funky looking. If you, yeah. real, if you really can't decide which end is up, plant it on its side. Okay. That's interesting. Good to know. So but this isn't the you first got time no, I had bulbs. Yeah. You got no sprouts. No, no sprouts. I put in bulb tone. I think I really had good soil because a lot of weeds grow there and uh, a lot of things grow. <laughs> but uh, for some reason, this didn't come didn't come up. Now, I think you you um, before before a couple of days ago when I emailed you, you you gave me a really good uh, suggestion, which was to shoot my squirrels in bowls. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not we're not supposed it. to say that on the air, <laughs> Barry. That that okay. was between you and me and the internet. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought that was part of my, my thought here, but any, so anyway, I went out this past weekend and tried to dig them up to figure out what you know what the deal was. That's good. And I I found one bulb that had some kind of a green sprout over uh, on it, yeah. and and my son-in-law and I we kept digging and digging, couldn't find any other any other bulbs anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then he looked a few feet over and he said, "Hey, what are all these holes doing here?" Uh huh. <laughs> but you said so, you. You said you yeah. planted daffodils. No, uh, um, no, they weren't daffodils. They, they were tulips. Were, they were tulips. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Daffodils are poisonous. Um, okay. Squirrels may dig them up. Evil squirrels may dig them up to frustrate you, but they will not eat them. Voles, V-O-L-E-S, the little nasty mm. shrew-like creatures that eat the roots of plants. They mm-hmm. will not touch daffodils. However, tulips are nutritious and delicious. Everything eats them. Oh. And yes, oh. squirrels are known to dig them up. What I'm surprised at is that the evil squirrels didn't go in for the gut punch. 
and sit on like a railing and wait for you to come out and then eat them in front of you. Maybe yeah. maybe wearing a little bib that says, I heart tulips, you know. <laughs> right. Well, what's for dessert? That's right. So well, there's, a cu- there's a couple things you can do here. Okay. Um, you can put your bulbs in the ground again in the fall. Don't feed them in the fall. If you, if you get a whole mess of bulbs, take one and cut it open with a sharp knife, and you'll see the flower in the middle that's going to come up in the spring. So oh. they, they're, And they're dormant now. They really can't absorb food. The time, yeah. the time to feed bulbs is after the flowers, should you get flowers, fade yeah. in the spring. So oh, okay. here's what you can do. You're going to plant them. Again, daffodils... Go crazy with those. Nothing is going to bother them, and they're just so bright. They're better than they're better than Prozac uh, to cure the month of March. <laughs> Tulips right. will come up later, so your options are to prepare a nice bed and then cover it with chicken wire, and p- oh. press the chicken wire down into the soil, and then put bricks at the edges so the squirrels can't dig it up. Your other option, do you have a dog? No, a cat. You have a cat. Okay, well. But he's old enough where he doesn't go. He actually, I thought he had decimated all the little critters in the mm-hmm. area, but he's more of an inside cat now that he just turned 18. Right, so, right. Now, congratulations. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good age. I, I can't huh. help but forget the guy on Parks and Recreation. I think his name was Ron. Um, yeah. And he said uh, it isn't, you know, a, if it's under 50 pounds, it's not a dog. It's a cat, and cats are useless. So, um, which I don't believe, but so, I, it's a great line to steal. So anyway, yeah. if you now, can... Now, can I plant some new ones? Yes, yes, but not okay. now, of course. Um, oh. What you can do is you can go out, because in between Valentine's Day and Mother's Day, a lot of florists and supermarkets have potted spring bulbs. Right. And, I can just get ready-grown ones. Right. You can get those and display them and then let the greenery turn brown and then just put them away in the pots uh, where you'll find them in the fall and feed them again. Oh. Feed them after the flowers fade. That's the time to put that bulb tone down there and cover it with soil or compost and okay. keep them well watered and then okay. just put them away until the fall and then you can try replanting them but you have to plant in the fall the other the other option what i was getting at is the dutch use dog fur to protect beds of tulips they they brush their dogs and then they put the fur out over top of the bed because squirrel squirrels hate dogs and dogs hate squirrels so (laughs) you don't have to have your own dog you can brush somebody else's dog you can go to your vet, ask them to save dog hair for you. They'll give you <laughs> pillowcases full. Oh, he'd love me. Yeah. But, but, uh, but actually, again. But not for cats, because he sheds, our cat sheds a lot. No, nah, it's, it's not been not, shown to work at any rate. So oh, okay. um, those are your two big options. Again, okay. uh, daffodils, fritillaria, ornamental alliums, nothing's going to bother those. The the, okay. the bulbs that need to be protected are tulips and crocus. Okay. One other thing. Where do I place the chicken wire again? You, you plant the bulbs 
you know, right. so that there's enough soil on top of each bulb that you could stack another bulb on top of it. And then mm -hmm. you spread the chicken wire over that bed, push it down into the soil, and then use something like bricks or rocks to hold it in place. Okay, and the sprouts would just come right through the chicken wire. Correct. Is that the idea? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I got it. Okay, well, thanks, Mike. All right, my pleasure, Bauer. Good luck to you, well, sir. That's great. Love your channel. Well, one other thing. We used to get you, you know, on WHYY. Now silly, you get but... me on channel 39 on your cable service coming to you from Bethlehem, PA. That's the, right. that's the TV show. Or you can stream the radio show live at uh, our radio station. You can access all through all this through YouBetYourGarden.org. And you can listen to the podcast. Or if you're near the Lehigh Valley, we're on the air on 91.3, Saturday at noon and Sunday at 11. Oh, okay, good. So we got some options there. Yes. Okay, great. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. We My pleasure, man. Good luck. Thanks. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, number to call, 833-727-9588. Put it up on your refrigerator. Jeff, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Good morning, Mike. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to have you here, Jeff. Where are you? I'm calling from Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I know where that is. Um, and is it a place full of mechanics? Well, historically it was, but not, not, not in this day and age. It was one of the stops for the Conestoga wagons before they headed west. And there were a lot of mechanics here in this little community that could make sure the wagons were ready to go. Wagon train. You, All right. Yeah. Very yeah. good. All right. What can we do for you, Jeff? Well, my wife and I have moved into a newer development. The development's about 10 years old, but our townhouse was built brand new. Mm -hmm. We had no say in the landscaping. Of course. Uh, the developer yeah. put the landscaping in, right? So now we are two or three years later, and, I'm, and, and we're housebound a bit with what's going on out there with nature. And so I'm well, trying Well, I just want to correct you because one of the reasons we're we're pulling a skeleton crew together and doing new shows is we don't want people to be housebound. We want them to be garden bound and get out of the house and blow the stink off themselves, get some fresh <laughs> air and, and enjoy gardening to reduce the stress, but proceed. Yeah. And you're correct. And that's, and that's what I'm doing. I uh, used the wrong word perhaps. However, the uh, foundational plannings done by the developer included azaleas, which right. we typically would be happy about. But we came from western Pennsylvania, and we were so used to the natural look of rhododendrons and Mount Laurel and um, azaleas. But these have been trimmed. I looked it up. I guess it's an old Asian form of making them in, into uh, ge geometric shapes. So... They're the size of a beach ball, a large beach ball, and uh, we just don't like that look at all. We, we would like to know if there's any way to uh, selectively prune these to get them back to some kind of normal, natural-looking shape. Now, how long have you been there? We've been here three years. And you haven't pruned these plants? No, but the landscapers keep coming by, and we uh, technically we have no say, believe it or not, Mike. They they do what they're told to do, and they've been trimming them as globes. Now, oh well, there's nothing you can do except maybe 
set bear traps. Um, uh, are you in like one of these communities with an HOA and everything? That's it. That's correct. That's um, correct. You got to petition the landscape committee. This is an insult to the plant, and they don't bloom nicely. They look, they look ratty. I, I agree. I think they look horrible. And then when I looked it up, I thought they were not trimming them correctly. I thought they didn't know what they were doing. But when I did some research, apparently it's a formal Asian look. If you go to Asian gardens, they say you'll see that. But I really yeah. don't like it. Yeah, I, I, I would think you'd have to be meticulous about it to get them to flower in the spring. Azaleas and rhododendrons, as you know, have a wonderful natural shape. The only prune, they don't require any pruning. I've never pruned my rhododendron, for instance. But if you're going to prune them, you prune them after flowering in the spring and you let them develop their natural shape. So I would do two things. I would approach the landscaping committee, because I know you have one, and petition them to allow your azaleas to stop looking ratty. And maybe you've seen these signs, no spray area. I mean, uh, go to a hardware store and buy the letters or whatever and put a sign up that says, do not prune these plants. And if they show up, go out and... Give them heck, Harry, you know. <laughs> right. So so let's say that we um, get them to stop trimming them. Will they start to take on a natural shape? Oh, my goodness, need- yes, immediately. All they need is one summer unmolested to look, uh, start to look natural the following spring. And then I'd say two or three years out, they wouldn't look like Bouncing Boy anymore. So the solution is pretty simple if I can convince the HOA to, to leave them alone. Yeah. That is just leave them alone. Period. Yeah. These HOAs go way overboard. I mean, I, I even question whether they have the legal right to decide what your landscape. It, it seems like a violation of human rights. I drag them before the Hague. Well, we will, we will do that. I have um, – I sort of have a in with the board with and I think that I, I'm going to approach them and do just what you said. And I've seen those little signs, um, owner maintained and things like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly right. Maybe that maybe all you need to do is uh, get a special exemption and they'll leave you alone. We'll try it. Thank you. All right. Good. All right. Good luck to you, Jeff. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Take care. Bye bye. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and remind everybody that there's no quarantine on nature. So if you're hunkering down at home, be sure to spend a lot of time outside with your plants. It may be the only large group that it's safe to be close to. But don't go out gardening just yet, because we'll be right back to deliver tips on getting maximum springtime bloom and take more of your springtime phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to an all-new You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodell Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com.
Welcome back to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, and we're in the stretch right now, cats and kittens. In just a little bit, we'll get to the question of the week, which will help you have better blooms next springtime. Okay? Very important. It's what you do now that's going to make sure your yard and garden just glows yellow and golden next year. But that's after a couple more of your fabulous phone calls at 833-727-9588. John, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Well, hi, Mike. Hello. Great to talk to you. Oh, it's great to talk to you, John. How you doing? I'm doing well. And yourself? I am just ducky. Thanks for asking. And where is John doing well? I'm in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, right outside of Harrisburg. That's what I was just going to say, Harrisburg area. All right. What can we do you for, sir? Well, I've been listening to your show for several years now, and I'm just about to get started in composting. Okay. Um, I, I've been shredding leaves um, in our yard uh, for a number of years and Excellent. using them to mulch my uh, flower gardens and, and other ornamental gardens. And doesn't that work incredibly well? It does. It, it's, uh, I, hate, uh, I hate bagging up leaves and throwing them where they shouldn't be, and um, it's a lot simpler for me to shred them myself rather than carting them out to the curb. And oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, you'd be throwing away the most valuable... A circle of life recycling thing on your landscape. And what I always stress is when you mulch your beds with shredded leaves, earthworms come running and set up huge colonies underneath, and mm. they're turning your lousy clay soil into something that's a lot less lousy. Yeah, that, that's great. I mean, I can, I can tell a difference in the soil. In oh, yeah, gardens, just, uh, just uh, mulching with shredded leaves year after year will actually improve the structure of the soil underneath, thanks largely to the earthworms and their castings. Mm. All right, so that's not what you wanted to talk about. So I'll... Well, I'm, I'm ready to take the next step in, okay. into uh, um, creating my own compost. Okay. And I guess my question is... I've, I've seen a lot of different composting bins, uh, the, the, just the stand-up bins and the tumblers, and I was wondering, is there a significant advantage to using a tumbler? Um, tumblers are um, advisable in areas that have a lot of wildlife, um, especially okay. bear, raccoons, things like that. If you're going to put food scraps into your mm. compost, it needs to be sealed. The okay. disadvantage of tumblers is they do not have ground contact. When your compost bin is touching the soil, same thing is going to happen as with the shredded leaf mulch around your garden beds. Worms are going to come in and they're going to move the process along. And interestingly enough, um, if your compost gets really hot, which is good, the worms move out. But then, as it cools down, the worms come back in and kind of finish it for you. Mm -hmm. So okay. I do have a tumbler, and I do use it, um, but I really love the ground contact things. I also 
you know, I hate to say this because a, a lot of my friends make these things, but I get tired of the crank. I get tired of turning <laughs> that crank. That gets yeah. old really fast. And the first time you do it in the dead of winter, it will, it will be very difficult to turn. And then it'll feel like the weight is off. And then this giant chunk of frozen garbage <laughs> and shredded leaves will come plummeting down and make a dent yeah. in the bottom of the thing. So I like, I like ground contact. And if you're okay. going to include um, vegetable waste, there are at least two styles of recycled black plastic compost bins that have mm -hmm. locking lids. And that makes them okay. totally acceptable for mixing in small amounts of kitchen waste. Um, one of them is a rectangle that ships flat, so it's really easy to have delivered to you or to go to your garden center and bring it home. The other is what I call the fat boy. It's round, it probably holds more material, and these tend to be given away or sold at cost um, at composting lessons from master gardeners and state extension services. But they're both excellent. They both work really well, and they both have a kind of a cold shoot at the bottom because mm -hmm. the compost is always finished on the bottom. So you can okay. add material to the top and shovel out finished compost at the same time once you get the rhythm down. Okay, great. All right, that sir? Like that, that's uh, the direction that I'll move in then. All right. Um, and, and should I place that in uh, an area where it gets full sun then? I, I, I don't think it makes any difference. And most of, uh, for most of us, full sun is a treasure that we wouldn't waste on a compost bin. That's, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah yes. that's for tomatoes. Okay. And, and just one last question, if I, if I sure, might. Sure, go ahead. Um, I also have a lot of um, ornamental grasses in my yard, mm -hmm. and, and I usually cut them down um, early in the spring. Excellent. Good choice. And... I also shred those, but I oh, keep excellent. them separate from the leaves. But can I put those in the compost? Sure, bin? because they're brown by now, right? That's right. Yeah. They're the same as the shredded leaves. They're brown material. They're excellent in a compost bin. Okay, great. That'll work out just fine for me then. Yeah, yeah. Everything, you know, I've had guests on my show who compost everything, including their old jeans. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thanks so much, Mike, for all the good advice. All right. You be careful out there. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, we hope you've been waiting with bated breath, whatever that means, for the question of the week, which we're calling for Scythia and beautiful bulbs, how to make sure that your spring springs again. We begin with Mary in Telford, PA who writes, we moved into an old house in August. There is a mature forsythia bush that we were anxious to see bloom this spring, but it's only flowering on the top and the edges. The whole middle is bare. Should we prune? How much and when? Note, I hate to see forsythia bushes pruned into geometric shapes. Should I just feed it something? No, Mary, that is not the answer. I have two huge forsythia in the very front of my front yard, and they are blooming so brightly that they're overshadowing the spring bulbs behind them, despite the fact that they also bloomed out of confusion last November. 
They have never been fed, unless you count the road salt they're exposed to most winters. I have no idea how old they are. They were big when we moved in 35 years ago, and they have never failed to put on a remarkable show. Actually, there were three out there originally, but they formed a wall that was cutting off all the airflow to my roses. So my friends and I spent a month, no exaggeration, digging the middle one up. If it had taken much longer, we were considering dynamite. Dynamite is an organic input, right. Okay, it took three of us to haul the root ball out and roll the monster into a nearby wooded area where it continues to bloom every year on its side. Now, I just went out to take a closer look at my plants, and yes, the biggest concentration of those amazing yellow flowers does seem to be on the new growth, but I don't see any kind of real bare spots, so I suspect that yours is the victim of improper pruning. And I agree with you. People who try to prune forsythia into a boxwood head shape should be imprisoned. It is one of the ugliest, saddest, and most misguided sites in all of horticulture. Anyway, forsythia, obviously, is a spring bloomer. And as with other spring bloomers, like azaleas, rhododendrons, flowering cherries, lilacs, and the like, the time to prune them is right after the flowers fade, because shortly after that, they'll begin to set the buds that will produce next year's show. I typically use hand pruners to cut back the tallest stems after they're finished blooming and the sideways ones that make it difficult for our mail carrier to get close to the mailbox. Then I'll step back and look for what I suspect Mary is describing, some old thick wood in the center of the plant. I'll remove some of that with a bow saw. And that's it. Over the course of the summer, new shoots are going to spring up all over the plants. It is these unruly shoots that tempt people to tidy things up in the fall, which is a mistake for two reasons. One, you're cutting off the parts that would have produced the most vibrant show in the spring. And two, forsythia is not supposed to be tidy. It is a wild child riot of golden shoots that explode in all directions. It can't be trained any more than you can train a house cat. We move on to Michael in Parts Unknown, who writes, can I divide all varieties of spring bulbs? Is after the blooms have faded the best time? No, you don't want to do anything with spring bulbs until the leaves have lost all of their green color. That's why we chose this question for this show today. Many people rush to cut off those leaves, which starves the plant of the energy it needs to grow another flower deep inside the bulb. The result the following spring is all leaves and no flowers. And tying the leaves up is almost as bad. Plus, having bulbs in bondage may reveal more about you to your neighbors than you might have intended. Anyway, after the leaves have lost their green, you can safely dig them up. But the word dividing doesn't exactly apply here. That term is typically used for herbaceous perennials like hostas. When their distinctive leaves emerge in the spring, you can dig them up and divide them into multiple plants. A classic method is to use two garden forks to pull the plants into sections. Some people will split their plants apart with a sharp shovel, or more excitingly, a machete. Yeah. 
Once, when I had to divide a really huge hosta, I dug it up and used a chainsaw to cut the monster into quarters. Cowboy gardening at its finest. And because hostas cannot be killed, all of those sections flourished when we replanted them. Spring bulbs are another story. Were you to chop a big tulip or daffodil bulb in half, you'd get two dead half bulbs. But bulbs that have been in the ground for years will often have babies, little bulblets that grow next to the parent bulb. Carefully dig these bulbs up and carefully and gently snap these babies off. Carefully. Then you can either return the mother bulb to the ground or store it indoors in a cool, dark spot and then replant it after Halloween. Plant the baby bulbs in a nursery bed, and they will grow bigger over time and eventually flower. But only if you let their greenery turn brown naturally. You got it? Well, that sure was some timely info on taking care of your spring bloomer, now wasn't it? Luckily for you, the question of the week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website. To read it over at your leisure or your leisure, just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be youbetyourgarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden question of the week, and you'll always find the latest question of the week at the Gardens Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to bust my blooms if I don't get out of this studio. We must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at 833-727-9588 or send us your email. You're tired, you're poor, you're wretched refuse teeming towards our garden shore at ybyg at wlvt.org and tell us where you live you'll find all of this contact information, answers to hundreds of your gardening questions, audio of this show, video of this show, audio and video of old shows, and our podcast. Oi! It's all at our website, youbetyourgarden.org. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast, all produced and delivered to you weekly by Rodale Institute Television and Radio, in association with Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created when an experiment with gamma rays went awry. So don't make him angry. You wouldn't like him when he's angry. And besides, it's really hard on the furniture. Our musical director, Ken Queter, is hard on furniture, drywall, and low-hanging ceilings in gin joints. Never ever found in a gin joint is our chief content officer, Yoni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airwaves, Christine Dempsey, is taking the fifth. Save some of that fifth for me, yells our engineer, cheerful Charlie Sarah. Our social media director is Amanda Norfleet. Check out her fine work at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. Our peerless princess of profound production is Tavia Minnick. 
Our website wonder is Nicole Harrell. Our audio editor is the lovely Jonas Bowen. Our video editor is judicious Jake Boyer. Our harassed and harried director is Javier Diaz. The one, the only, Eric Werner coordinated all of our phone calls today from the safety of his home. Zach the Taquisneski helped out quite a bit today. Special thanks to our fearless leader, Tim Fallon, who either gave the okay for me to come in today or has no idea that I'm here. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. I could be a hologram for all I know, but if I am, couldn't they have done a better job on my hair? I guess science has only advanced so far. But hopefully to advance in the future is Jake Morris, the one-man band of today's show, who did an amazing job. Jake, give yourself a little something extra in the envelope at the end of the week. Anyway, I'm gonna wash my hands, socially distance, wear gloves, plant more peas, and see you again next week. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is the ticket. Oh, it is, is it? Beautiful night. I got my best girl with me. Although, you know what could make it even better? Let me guess. Some mint chocolate chip. Bingo. You always get a little sappy when that sweet tooth kicks in. Partners since the beginning. Throughout life, you have many different partners. Shouldn't you have one for the most important aspect of life? Your health. Lehigh Valley Health Network. Your health deserves a partner. Learn more at lvhn.org. Having trouble achieving success with directly sown seeds? I'm Mike McGrath, and on the next thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden, I'll reveal how to correctly stick those seeds in your soil. Plus, your soiled phone calls. That's on the next You Bet Your Garden. <laughs> <laughs>